Hello and welcome to Fans of the Genre, episode 6 for December 5th, 2016. I'm Brian Swanson. And I'm Rhodes Clark. Uh, Mikey Krieger couldn't join us today because he's in a Fender Bender, which is unfortunate. We're sending him our best. Um, but we are joined by Fans of the Genre's very first guest. Brian, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce him? Yeah, I want to introduce Kevin Hong. He's a friend of mine. Uh, we play a lot of World of Warcraft together. Uh, we're in the same guild. Uh, Kevin and I originally went to high school together, but didn't really meet there. It wasn't until about fall of 2014 when a lot of my friends and I started to get pretty serious about World of Warcraft that uh, I met him. But I'd love to have him introduce himself. I want to say hi to everyone, Kevin. Hi. Uh, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Rod. Thanks for having me on the um as our first guest yeah. first exciting. guest I mean, yeah awesome um yeah anything i can do to help i mean yeah like what brian said uh we're guildies gamers um and i do a lot of esports consulting and i also work in the college esports space um and yeah i run university of washington gaming association and do social media stuff but love to talk about games excited to be here cool. yeah um, yeah thanks for joining us i really appreciate it <laughs> um yeah, and uh, feel free to share the show when we're done and get our name yeah, out there a little bit. Yeah, I'm just teasing. Um, but we'll talk about your work in esports a little bit later, but um, our first sort of segment is about checking in and seeing how everyone's doing. Um, how was the week post-Thanksgiving, if you celebrate? <laughs> uh, it's been good for me. Uh, just getting right back into work. Managed to get some more time off closer to the holidays, so I'm pretty happy about that, but... Uh, just playing a couple games and doing my normal thing. What about you guys? Uh, I'm the exact opposite. I've been so spacey all week. I can't really focus on work for some reason. And I think that's just more of a, a problem with me and my view towards work in general. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been weird. But I'm happy that it's the weekend. And I don't know. Yeah. What about you, Kevin? Um, this week is good. I mean... Um just lots of development on my end um just work is cool friends are cool um gotta eat i can't complain you know it's yeah it's fun totally um brian what have you been playing so same as last week i've been chipping away at stalker shadow of chernobyl uh first person shooter that i've been playing uh came out back in 08 but i sort of rediscovered it in my steam library uh, it's been good. I was getting a little annoyed with it last night. Uh, there have been a lot of, um, I guess, really difficult enemies for me to fight in the game lately. And it feels as though um, instead of innovating on its gameplay, it's just throwing more and more um, bodies at me to shoot. And that mm -hmm. can get a little tedious, but uh, the story is still pretty intriguing. And I feel like I'm invested enough to finish it, which is oddly a good feeling. I don't know if either of you have finished a game lately, but... <laughs> it's like a good feeling to actually like pick something up and see it through to the end. Yeah. Not really uh, something yeah. you can say about like World of Warcraft or um, Overwatch or something like that, but it's it's kind of nice to go through a whole game, get to the end of it. And... I haven't done that in so long. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I picked up Doom on Amazon, like the new Doom, 2016 Doom, um, like a couple months ago when it was like 20 bucks. And I thought, okay, I'm going to play through this in a weekend. It's a lot longer than you'd think, and I haven't played past like the first three or four missions, and I haven't touched it in months. And then I did the same thing with Battlefield 1 recently, where I picked it up, thought I was going to play through it a bunch, and I haven't really touched it much. But yeah, so it feels good to like be driven to finish a game, for sure. Um, other than that, though, I did purchase a new 3DS, the, the new 3DS. 
and uh, went through the whole transition process from my old one to that. And that actually went very smooth and have been sort of dabbling with Animal Crossing a little bit after that new update. Uh, a lot of my friends are also very into that game. And so uh, just kind of, you know, walking around town, talking to a couple animal neighbors. Uh, it's a it's a really fun little game that you kind of check in on more than anything else. And I've been realizing that I've been really appreciating games that allow me to sort of be in the world for a little while, do maybe like a daily quest or a daily um, objective of some sort, feel like I made yeah. some progress and then put it down for the day. Um, but yeah. Hey, what, um, what was in that update? Cause I don't have a 3ds and I haven't played an animal crossing game, but when I think I remember reading about the update, it didn't seem like that big of a deal, but uh, that's just cause I don't have the perspective, I guess. Uh, my friends have been making a bigger deal out of it than I really sort of in, in, in informed myself about, but it added amiibo support, so there's this genie in a lamp that can transform into the amiibos that you have, if you have any, um, and I don't really quite know what it does, but uh, also there's just, I think, I think it actually added some official daily quests uh, or daily missions where you can go pull weeds in your town or something or achieve some small objective and get some money or some tickets, I think they're called, um, and use that as a, as a new currency in the game. And so... I think it just revitalized the, the game a little bit. And I think in a, the world that we're currently in with the politics being kind of crazy and government being a little weird, you kind of run your own government Animal Crossing in your town. And so I think it was sort of an, an odd timing uh, to get people back into that game, to be doing public works projects and bettering the community. <laughs> That's an interesting point that I don't think I've ever heard anyone make about Animal Crossing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Huh. What, what about you guys? Uh, Kevin, go ahead. I haven't really played much, so if there's... Um, I've been playing Rainbow Six because the OP Steam sales. Played a little <laughs> bit of Division um, 2. I just thought of that. Um, like I'm like level 6 on that one, but mostly Rainbow Six and still dabbling around with League of Legends here and there. Um, essentially, I've just been... Nothing really hooked me as I as like before but i think rainbow six has kind of kind of like was my was like kind of one of those games that just made me repeat like play again play again for i haven't done that in a long time yeah. so i'm trying to say like um why because the game is like each game is could last between 15 to 22 minutes tops which is awesome um for in our busy lives you know like we, these multiplayer games you know it's, it's best to have these games last me 15 20 minutes so i think that's pretty dope that rainbow six siege is even though like i played like two hours i've played around like eight games in two hours yeah. which is pretty cool um yeah that's kind of what i've been playing division is is beautiful um like they have apocalyptic new york and they made it really look really cool um you just gotta turn off the green arrow like that kind of tells you where to go in quest so it's like you're like walking but it's just it's just a line that just kind of hacks it for you just to tell you where to go yeah if you turn that off then you, the the game play is a lot better and it's more immersive rather than you're just like walking in a line is there a competitive scene right now with uh, the division the division yeah um, what do you mean by competitive scene? Like, are there like tournaments going on or any sort of, um, I guess, draw to it as an 
eSport of any kind? Um, or is that just sort of a silly thing to say? Um, I know that the... What do they call it? The... The part of the game where you're in the you're fighting against other players um it was a big deal I, the dark zone is that what it's called yeah the dark zone but i don't think there's there's a few things that make a game esports there's a ranking systems yeah. matchmaking there's on um, the spectator side um uh, there's also an obvious in skill right um but from the the biggest struggle for games like the division is the same way with Guild Wars 2 and WoW, is that they're built as an RPG. Yeah. They're not built, like, in esports right away, like Overwatch, League. Like, they just, you just come out, hit the round running as an esports. Division, you're doing quest missions as soon as you hit the ground. You're not put in a situation where you're in the dark zone right away. Yeah. So that makes it very hard to convey that tone without spending a lot of money trying to do that. Um and I guess their main struggle right now is keeping their players active. Right. Because um, there's a it was a huge drop off before 1.4. I read like 1.4 patch update was like a huge expansion, right? Was like a, it was like a it was people were quoting that that's what division should have been from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that they're trying to bring back a lot of their players or keep their players and fix their game. But I don't, I don't see it being esports just because it's such a huge hurdle, and there's so many other shooters yeah. that are just way better. Yeah, I feel, I feel like uh, the division is sort of like Destiny in that it's loot driven and like level based, like you said, like it's more like an RPG than it mm-hmm. is like a competitive thing. Yeah, I don't think I, I explained my my train of thought at all. I just sort of jumped into that, but I did, I did compare it in my head to Destiny, and I know that Destiny. Uh, does have a PvP element. Uh, I don't. Mm-hmm. To, to what extent there are tournaments and um, like Twitch support, I'm I'm not nearly as clear about. But I was just curious if the division attempted to to sort of utilize the systems they built to to go into a PvP. Um, I don't know, matchmaking type of thing. I'd imagine that it's it's just sort of about, like about. how you play that game i don't know if it encourages competitiveness as much as it is about like building yourself up or something i don't know there's always time for a sequel yeah that's true all right um i'm curious about rainbow six siege um just from my perspective reading like reading articles and listening to podcasts of reviewers and stuff like people didn't seem too hot on it because they charged 60 bucks but it was like structured like a free-to-play game or um they didn't think that like the gameplay or whatever that was was that good is there like a are people still playing that game is it does it have like a fan base that people are still you know coming to that game for? um yeah that's a good question i mean like the there's esl is invested into it i know europe is pretty good um there's like a hundred thousand dollar prize pool that they invested into it uh it's on xbox and pc um the gameplay is pretty cool i think um because it's a round for round which is great because it keeps up the hype. Um, the problem is what you mentioned, the the steep $60. Yeah. Most esports titles um, are usually free. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, except CSGO um, and Overwatch. Yeah. But CSGO is very minimal. Especially Overwatch is a kind, Yeah, Overwatch is a kind of a, a hurdle. I kind of just... I, because they're Blizzard, yeah. Blizzard can charge whatever they want. Um, but Blizzard also launched the game correctly. Like, it ma- it worked. 
like right. the launch was seamless. It's Blizzard has a huge brand behind, like as a Blizzard as a brand is impeccable. Um, so they were able to they they're they're doing they're taking the right steps. Rainbow Six has a problem right now where um, I can I see this going I see this with like publishers that are not as hands like double down on esports like Blizzard and Riot, and that has to do with like the DLC side. Mm-hmm. Um, so for Rainbow Six Siege, you can buy. So the Steam sale was what got me interested, right? It was twenty five dollars, not that much right. for a, a good game, right? Game played fine. However, um, you could buy all the operators, or just like the let's call it characters, right? You can buy all of them with uh, the in-game money you earn, or you could pay for currency in the game. Mm-hmm. But there's also a DLC on top of that where they just added more operators, which I'm not a fan of because those new operators cost a ton more than um, the other operators. So if you really want to build an esports ecosystem, it has to be a level playing field. Overwatch got it right on the head with just every character in the game is available and free. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where you need to start. At the base level... A fair level of play is absolutely needed to start some scene. Um, Steam sales and stuff like that helps, but ultimately, if you're going to launch a game and you want to create an esports vertical, you want to convince players to take an investment of $50, whatever, and play the game. Yeah. Um, Prize money is all there. The leagues are all there. I can see it from a spectator point of view. That's pretty cool to watch. Red Bulls into it, ESL is into it. There's leagues involved. Um, f- from a player population, I'm not sure how how big the game is, mm-hmm. but from a spectator point of view, it's pretty cool to watch. Uh, there's a lot of skill involved. There's uh, it's round for round, so it's a best of five, and each round lasts like two minutes, and it's a best of five. Mm-hmm. So you can really play, you really build up storylines. Um, throughout this throughout a match you know you can you know the intensity yeah that's why it kind of mirrors like the csgo intensity where it's like round for round um so it's really cool um so yeah i'm not sh- i'm not sure i'm not gonna say it's gonna like beat these cs the beat csgo anytime soon mm-hmm. but i see it i see a community there and i see like you know it all starts with community like when league of legends got big it was because tsm was streaming league non-stop like they were writing guides on like curse or mobile fire or something mm-hmm. and then like they there was not a day where they weren't either running their own tournaments or streaming and mm-hmm. this was unprecedented right um they had every weekend they had 80 to 100 couple like 150,000 people watching wow. before riot went in and said we're going to make the LCS mm-hmm. so there needs to be people like that in in games that need to grow in that way given if you're overwatch you can just if you play the right like overwatch really thought about road mapping their esports ecosystem mm-hmm. they, they've they've done a, they've done their homework so that was pretty cool yeah um anyway yeah that's rainbow six siege i'm optimistic yeah yeah as a quick aside for listeners too um i think the big difference there between what kevin was sort of laying out is that um, Rainbow, Rainbow Six Siege costs sixty dollars, and uh, then you are expected to accumulate currency within the game to purchase characters or operators that have different abilities. 
compared to a game like League of Legends that is free to play uh, from the get-go, but you do still have that playing the game to earn a currency or purchasing the currency to buy new characters. The difference being Rainbow Six Siege has that $60 um, cost up front and then a continued cost afterward, whereas a game like League of Legends doesn't. Overwatch yeah. differs from the formula a little bit because it does have a $60 upfront cost, but then everything is free forever. So uh, it does put Rainbow Six sort of, um, you know, in behind when it comes to these other games that are a lot easier to build an audience around. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I think my my ideal is like the $60 or whatever buy-in and then everything is free. Like with Titanfall 2, just got update um, a couple days ago. And that's a game, Kevin, that I've been playing a lot lately. And I'm I'm actually really enjoying myself. I think it's really fun. I'm pretty good at it. Like, I'm getting better. Uh, and it's just nice to be able to, like, know that all the upcoming maps and, and stuff are free. And if I want, I can spend more money to get skins, which don't affect the gameplay at all for other people or myself. Um, mm. And Overwatch is Which sort game of, was that? Say that again. Uh, Titanfall 2. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I, uh, that's why I also like Overwatch is that, like, I don't play Overwatch daily or even like weekly at this point but it's nice to know that when they introduce a new character i can go in and just like try it out um, without having to pay anything and then if it gets its hooks in me i can keep playing and get better and like but exactly yeah cool um so i'd like to kind of segue into talking a little bit about the work you do um especially with the uh, university of washington uh, chapter is it a chapter of the Washington Gaming Association, or did you start the Gaming Association as well? I I started the Gaming Association. Okay. Um, brought in together. There was like multiple clubs. Yeah. On campus, and I brought together all of them, and we kind of founded it all together. Awesome. That's super um, cool. Mm-hmm. Um. So, Thank you. Yeah. So, it, just in your own words, like describe the Washington Gaming Association and like what your mission is and kind of the stuff you do, and um, I'd love to hear more about it. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it was built under the idea that we want to build a place where all gamers on campus could have a home um, to be able to exert their energy and love for gaming. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Overwatch, Magic the Gathering, board games, we want to, if we have the resources, if we can, ha- if we have the manpower to do so, we want to be able to give them something, give them an experience, give them what make them feel create an experience of what it means to be a Husky gamer, essentially. Um, So with that, uh, we came together and one of the biggest problems with our, with gaming on campus before was that there was dozens, no, like there was like about a dozen gaming clubs out on, on UW campuses. What I mean by that was like, they were, they were separate. Right. They were like, they operated on their own accord. They had their own leadership, whatnot. They had League of Legends club, Magic the Island club, Husky Gamer, like there's, there was so many, you know, right. like it, it was pretty scattered. There's a nightmare there where if a student was to walk through campus, let's say, let's say you play League and I play Dota. Yeah. Um, I walk, I'm a Dota student. I, I, I walked by, uh, and on Friday, 1 p.m., um, you saw a League of Legends booth, you know, and yeah. the Dota person is going to look at it and be like, oh, this is irrelevant to me. You know, mm-hmm. like that, that obviously makes sense. You wouldn't, you have, everyone has their own brand, like association with different games, um, naturally. Um, and the Dota person might walk away and will never be discovered. Right. Same way for every other game. 
the problem there is that it really that 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 person that you that walked away could have been a very could have been the best player on campus could have been the most helpful like could have been a huge volunteer in a gaming association could have done so many things mm-hmm. could be like the next ceo of a big company i don't know right who, who knows who walks by um so a gaming association is to kind of welcome all that's kind of what our approach is is to become game agnostic um as much as we can um so the philosophy is that um we got together with the clubs. Um, they all had to change their name to WJ on like one one way is like Facebook. So like have total like total complete change on that. But they yeah. also get to keep their original names because they wanted to keep their autonomy there. You know, you you, you have to compromise. Right. Um, so that's what we built on campus. Essentially, is like when people go on campus, they're gonna know that they can work through game the Washington Gaming Association to find other games on campus. Um, and that's every every school is different. Um, I work with like other colleges as well on this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their do- own ecosystem. Like uh, other schools might just have separate gaming clubs, just like UW was. Some of them might have one. Some of them might not have nothing. You know, it, that's kind of what the the space looks like today. Right. Hmm. Um, I really like that term you use, gaming agnostic. Because like I, I actually remember wandering around uh, Western's campus mm-hmm. and just like looking at clubs and, and finding gaming-related clubs, and we had one or two, but they were hyper-specific to the game that they were into. And I League felt of like Legends and I think Hearthstone are two big ones. Right. Yeah. And like I makes sense. I'll play Hearthstone every once in a while, but I'm not going to join a Hearthstone club. But I would have probably joined a sort of inclusive-sounding gaming association where I could have made new friends and whatever. Cause like part of the thing that I think is a problem with video games is that, you know, too often we are alone sitting around playing a game and not interacting with people unless you're playing online and not everyone does that. Right. So I think, I just think it's really cool that you, you formed something that where people can get together. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's all it is, right? You right. want one of my directors was saying um, we want to build something where like this, they two people got connected and like walked away, and then five years later they got married. Right. Like that's the kind of relationships you want to build on campus. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I was like, that's the complete extreme, but that is true. But yeah. Um. Yeah, I I think maybe we can backtrack a little bit, and um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. we just sort of assume that our audience might not know what or a ton about video games, and so uh, do you want to just give us a quick overview on what you de- what, what is sort of defined as esports and how you see it? Yeah, esports is essentially um, competitive video games. Mm-hmm. Um, that's at the very like base. Um, yeah, I mean it's just competitive like competitive video games. Um, what I mean is just tournaments. Mm-hmm. Whoops. There's a prize pool. People win Mil- cash prizes. Millions of dollars sometimes. All, all the layer. Yeah, that's that's we've we've gone past that, and now we're in the point of like layers and layers of stuff packed onto competitive video games. What I mean is media rights, TV news, um, venture capitalists, money. We have colleges adopting varsity programs we have high schools like there's like two three different 
like administrated funded high school programs right now. Wow. Um, you see this on a, it's it's localization, right? Um, you're seeing esports bars, you're seeing arenas popped out of left and right field. Um, you see European soccer teams acquiring CSGO teams. Like it, it esports is no longer um, ragtag team of people making a making a like a, a tournament at someone's basement or some warehouse somewhere it's gone beyond that yeah because it's a huge cultural phenomenon um we saw this with music back in like 70s 80s with like different kind of genre of music but it's kind of like that where no one's like people are playing less sports now and people but people want to play video games together mm-hmm. you know like that's it's not it's it's people are looking at it going, huh, do we fight this or do we work with this? You know, like that's kind of where we are right now. A lot of people just, there's both, there's both sides of the fence today. But yeah, esports is competitive video games. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, it's definitely that's my simple answer. Yeah. It's definitely gaining a lot of, um, getting a lot of attention. Uh, I believe you and I were both on ESPN two back in April for the heroes of the storm collegiate finals. Yep. Um, and so that was sick. yeah, you can look that up. Uh, Kevin and I went went to Heroes of the Dorm and uh, watched uh, Arizona State University uh, take the take the win. It was very cool. Yeah. So <laughs> talking about this stuff sort of reminds me of all the times that I've heard the term esports and and all the times that like this is like in a later question that I had, but like you know I grew up on bigger sites that like were a little too late on the esports thing, and they've been trying hard in the last couple of years to sort of like course correct and try to find a way to communicate what's cool about esports and i think it's an, it's been really ineffective like i still i have a hard time watching people play games competitively i have a hard time uh with with a couple of different things but like it just seems like esports has had a hard time breaking through some of like the stigmas associated with gaming in general and i i think that like some of the, I don't know, how do you feel about, like, the naming conventions of teams, like, people choosing not to go by, like, their their actual names, and, like, it, it kind of, like, puts people in, like, a in a corner, in a way, by, like... What do you mean by names? I, I, the, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like a lot of esports competitors go by, like, their handles, like, their... Uh, that's what makes a gamer though yeah you know we we have we all go by different aliases that's the right. cool thing about being a gamer yeah um i i taking that away takes away a lot of our identity yeah so, that's that's something that i hadn't considered so i was just curious um do you think like what kind of value is there from a social like in a social perspective like um do you think that, like, if you're on an esports team, what kind of relationships are formed? Um, is it similar to, like, I, I wrote down the term analog sports? Um, so let's take a step back with yeah. the, the, the social um, component of it. Um, it's, it can no longer be ignored. Uh, right. I've talked to several administration, school leaders, uh, district people that passed policy and district level. Um, it's gotten to the point where you can't ignore this movement, right? 
Um, my high school has 600 people in the League of Legends club at, on Facebook. They do? Like, <laughs> yeah. So you look at this and you say, hmm, do we, do we, again, do we, do we, do we write articles saying video game is bad for you? But then there's tests left and right that says, hey, students who play video games perform better in school. Things like this to prove people on that side of the mind. But at the same time, there's tests. So drone pilots in the military right now are recruiting video game players to fly their drones and bomb people to fight in our wars because they're looking for that skill set. Yeah. Um, military uh, even just goes through VR training too to before they before um, for pilots, you know, they use VR to kind of map out their situation um, before they go on combat on their mission. Right. They get a feel for the landing. You know, they, that's video games. Um, we go back to just let's say playing video games. Right. Like say you're a high school student, you're 17, 18 years old, you're about to graduate high school let's say you, you let's say you're like wow how do i get involved how do i get a career or what whatever i can be an esports player like you said on a team what what's the value of that mm-hmm. um so let me give you an example of what that looks like um we have this guy named brian mccarthy um he had actually 12 offers to play varsity soccer uh full ride college soccer internships at like big ivy league schools he just said no to all of them because he wanted to do esports um he came to the university of washington thinking there was something on campus that could that is there to help him pursue a career in esports um and he said no to full ride scholarship to like mit and like all these other places but the thing you didn't know about Brian was um, he was a pro Halo player when he was 12 years old. Um, you can imagine, you know, like how frustrated his dad was. His <laughs> parents were, you know, like your your son decided to take, did not take the full ride scholarship. Right. He was a soccer prodigy. Says, no, I'm going to play video games. You know, that, like that, that, that's the last, that's how of all the choices he could have made i don't know if everyone could have made the same choices as he's made right right like if you think about all the pressure that he has you know there there he wouldn't be who he is today uh which is he a couple of days ago he signed a con he just signed a contract with counter logic gaming for their overwatch team wow um That's awesome the network is invaluable he's dropping out of college mm-hmm um to to be a pro player and you see this you know and you you might go oh wow like he's dropping out of college like what what's good what, like, that's that's detrimental right and i'm like i counter argue and say the network that he's being tapped into you know he is he's gonna make all the money in the world now you know um and it's stable money like he has you can make all your money on Twitch now. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a subscriber button. He can start building a fan base. Um, and he... And the CLG salary is incredible. Um, Overwatch League is insane. Uh, it's going to be city-based tournaments. And you see this idea of localization, mm-hmm. right? Um, but even going before that, Brian 
Brian was this college student who who built something at UW with me because he felt like there was a place to there was something to build because it was needed. Mm-hmm. What I mean by need is that it's loud. We have over 5,000 students in our gaming association. That's like 10% of UW population. And I'm 100% sure that I haven't tapped into every single gamer on campus because that's no possible way to, to get every student who games yeah. on, to get on Facebook. But we have 5,000 of them. Um, and that's saying a lot, you know, like yeah. this University of Washington said, t- said to me that this can no longer be ignored. Yeah. So... What this means is um, we're just we're not prepared to service this massive cultural change. And we see lots of talks right now on thinking how to solve this problem. Right. Because people like Brian isn't like there is an anomaly like that. That's a one out of a million chances. Yeah. But if you look at RMU, Robert Morris University, they made the first esports arena in 2012. Um, Kurt Melcher, the director of the program that kind of spearheaded everything. He was, he was their athletics director, but also the coach of their soccer team, but he was a huge gamer. Um, his sons is a huge gamer too. Um, he saw the vision. He saw it 2012, like before no, no one was dare speak of this in 2012, but he did it. Um, and he built the RMU esports program. They gave 1.2 million in, in scholarship this year. Wow. All right. Um, and also, uh, one of their players, Adrian, he's play. he was in two years in college, I believe. And he actually got picked up by immortals for their league of legends team. But the catch here is, you know, you go, you go, you can poke holes and be like, well, how long does it take? Like, you know, how, what's the lifespan of a, of a pro player? Is that stable? Right. You know, it goes back to the same question of like, well, look at where Adrian is now. Like he can do whatever he wants, even if he wants to like leave. Like say he he, he say he gets replaced. Like the mm-hmm. worst the case scenario, he doesn't want to be a player anymore. Wow, like where does the money come from? Blah blah blah. What happens to him? Well, he has all the resources to go out and find a job in esports or do consulting, yeah. all these other things, stream. But at the same time, Kurt goes, no, we will always have room for Adrian back in our program. At, and gave give him the scholarship mm-hmm. and that's because people recognize that the prime time to be a pro player is between 18 and 22 right call and college traditional sports you know you, you want to play from 18 to 22 and then get drafted in the nba mm-hmm. and then move on whatever right but esports is not it, it, it's it's an, it's it, it's it's right in the middle right mm-hmm. it's it, it overlaps so to build something that services this is very interesting um and there's a lot of talks right now figuring trying to figure that out um but yeah like people like brian adrian they're all rare but it all goes down to it all kind of ties back and this is what it ties back to it ties back to well right now there's 30 colleges that offer varsity programs right um a lot of it being private colleges but uci is a good example of one um but i know of other public schools are tapping into it you see the pac-12 you see the eastern well you see all these this institutions are trying to figure it out uh, and it's people like us to help them figure it out right uh, we we live and breathe this gaming culture mm-hmm. right there's a lot of opportunities here because there's a lot of money in this space right now mm-hmm. right um and a lot of people don't know what to do with it um a lot of people want to build something but they don't know they don't have our 10 15 years of how i don't know how long you guys have been gaming um but 
people need that knowledge. So you see 30 varsity programs um, across the board. um, And I I know there's around 15 to 20 more in development. Um, And it's because these administrations are just looking at this and going, how the hell do we... How do how do we provide a, a student life? You know, how do we provide funding where we can embrace this kind of culture? Because the students demand it, demand yeah. it. University of Washington demands it, and we're we're working with them on that front as well. Um, so yeah, I mean that's just you know, it's it's all programming, right? You're, totally. you're gonna have to build a program that fits the needs of these students. You're gonna have to embed with student life, first year programs, um, um, career centers, and you know, get Riot Blizzard arena net whoever publisher to come out and do internships because not everyone's going to be a pro player you know we had people at university of washington intern at riot but you're going to need to do that in a way where it goes national uh nationwide because like we had like 50 high school students reaching out to us on twitter mm-hmm. going do you guys have scholarship to to play league of legends prof- on your on your team <laughs> we're like That's so crazy we're like wait what like you're yeah. making your 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 university decision based off this fact because you found us on twitter you know like that's what that's what i mean you yeah. know like these students are just going out of their way like and, and they're they're excited but they're clueless but they're very excited um to to play professionally or figure out ways to get involved that means something a lot especially for the, at the young age you know you they could be the next CEO of whatever or be invent something that cures cancer. I don't know. Yeah. Or be you know the next pro fake like the next faker. I don't know. But if like if this is the way they make their money and live their life, like that's the way that we should support that, right? Like we should find programs like you said and systems that help them fulfill their. We need potential. to create. Yeah. We need to create these programs. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing like that right now, but we need to create it. You you yeah. were mentioning something about like how you know. Uh, uh, you didn't know how long Brian and I have been playing games. Like I've been playing games pretty much my entire life, but like it's only just now that this sort of esports—I don't, I don't want to call it a renaissance—but this like uptick in this culture makes Golden sense. Age. Yeah, and like we all grew up playing games, or like a vast, like a huge amount of people grew up playing games, and the fact that they want to pursue that in a professional way is really. Uh, something that probably like people running administrations is unprecedented for them. So it's cool that like you're setting up these associations to help educate people on like what it means to play games, the value in it and setting these people up for success. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I think coming from my perspective um, for folks listening, I do work in college admissions um, in a public school. And you know, the goal of that really is to serve students. And if you know, you have young folks like myself and, coming in here and we're, how, how do we serve students that are that are younger and younger and they, they play video games and so how do we how do we work with that like working with someone like kevin is a really great in to, to how like consulting um mm-hmm. this collegiate esports can really fit in a university and fit in a support system and take advantage of scholarships and award money and and students passion and yeah i think that it's super cool and every time every time kevin talks about it i'm like i have i have ideas as to where i can go with this so yeah it's awesome right and thank you i mean that's all we that's exactly what we need like people to start stuff Mm -hmm. um uh i think i think i kind of connected the dots with Rhodes' sort of thoughts earlier about 
um, these larger websites not really covering um, esports very well. Um, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, you go onto your IGN or your Polygon or Kotaku, and you don't really see esports on the front page unless it's you're talking about the um, the, the the Dota Two International Tournament, mm-hmm. the multi million dollar tournament. You, and a lot of the times, it's really just like uh, coverage on who won. Um, Kevin, where, do you have any websites or any like meet, like areas that you go to, to to seek coverage on esports? That I use personally? Yeah. Um, I I usually get them from my friends actually. Yeah. Um, I actually barely look at news. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of them are garbage and you waste a lot of time. But I have a lot of people that do look like to look through that stuff, and they just curate that stuff to me. So Twitter a lot um, probably right. Twitter, Facebook, they just send me on uh, just articles and stuff, interesting finds. I also use Clout sometimes, but that's not as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just get, you know, just, yeah, a lot of, I would recommend, um, I like the Reddit esports here and there, but I also like, um, ESPN's fine. Um, Yahoo's fine. Um, they try. They, yeah, I mean they have they have people in the industry they hired and stuff, which is great. And then uh, I like you on YouTube. I like uh, Monty and Thorin and uh, Richard Lewis. Cool. Thorin is very uh, abrasive, but he if you just listen to what he's saying, yeah, like just exactly what he's saying, he has a lot of good points. Monty in the same way, um, and definitely Richard Lewis um, for sure. They have so much knowledge in this space, so I'd good. imagine that like it's if these bigger sites don't hire people who are in in, in the industry, it's almost kind of pointless. Like, why wouldn't you just watch a live like a an archived version of the the game in question, or just like follow along on Twitter or, or whatever? Um, but like I said earlier, and I said it horribly, I realize now. But like they were, it seems like they're just trying to like catch up by like, hey, esports is big. Let's mention it in. In, in just some, some some way and it just never really lands with their core audience um, but like I'm interested in human stories and I, I, I would like if these sites that have the resources to like film or or talk to people um, about where they grew up or how they got into the, the, the game um, I think that'd be kind of interesting that'd be that would be a way that'd be like kind of a hook for me to get more into the coverage or more into the, the esports like industry like human stories yeah the storylines oh, you man. mentioned too yeah yeah you're gonna see a lot of those next year with media plays i don't doubt that okay. yeah that's cool um cool um and then brian i think you added this question uh what else are you working on beside or beyond the washington gaming association Yeah, Kevin, are you, uh, I know that you have some talks, you have some things in the works um, with folks. You do a lot of business going around. Uh, it sounds like a lot of that is esports consulting. And so uh, if you want to give us a little bit of insight as to what your sort of work life looks like. Yeah, I mean, um, I have the luxury to wake up at like 9.30, 10. My day starts <laughs> around 11. The caramel macchiato. Uh, no, I don't drink that anymore. <laughs> Um, and then get my early calls in early to me. And then, uh, if I have East coast calls, I call, then I have to wake up early around 
two to three is when I have my team meetings with my um, with my social media firm. Um, and then I schedule in WJ meetings here and there once or once every two weeks or once every month. And then do check-ins and stuff here and there on Facebook. Um, then I get into like deep think brainstorming thing like there's a few people i talk to that just has so much knowledge and we get into like these skype calls that last like seven hours um on the weekends um i did one yesterday actually slept at like 5 a.m but we were just talking about <laughs> um the ecosystem of college and high school and what that looks like and we kind of like theory crafted what what the world will look like no what esports will look like in the local level mm-hmm uh, it's insane um, yeah and then by the time it's like five six you know you, you kind of mellow out but there's also other side projects I'm working on I'm working on um, and then and I'm helping grow my girlfriend's stream on social media too so I, I support her stream around she starts streaming around like seven mm-hmm. eight and then um, and then Thursday Sunday we have raid nights on WoW so I see Brian cool. at seven <laughs> Yeah, troll, yeah. troll them a lot and then um and then in my night yeah cool. it's really chill trolls you know. the top top dps too <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it sounds like a pretty a pretty nice gig actually <laughs> i'm sitting over here with like nine to five office job getting home and like exhausted and sick of it um, yeah i mean i i mean i used to do that too man yeah um i was before that was at microsoft you know doing Oh, finance, worldwide finance. That's not fun. No, um, totally. You people care about the numbers too much. Um, it wasn't for me. And then, you know, going through college and going to Microsoft and then leaving the office like 6, 6.30, yeah. 5. Yep. In Redmond traffic. It feels <laughs> it bad, sucks. you know. I live in Redmond fun. now. It sucks. Yeah, it's yeah. really bad. So, you know, if, you, if it's time for a change and you feel like you can... And if you could do, like, there's a lot of people in that same situation mm-hmm. to get out of it, just to chime in is that like you can do something after five that you want to work on. Once it becomes stable and you feel like you can branch off and do something else, then go ahead and like yeah. make the leap. But in that time, you got to have to suck it up. I'm like, curious, what did you think you wanted to do before like esports sort of became the primary goal? <laughs> no idea really work yeah. at like work at a tech firm and work at a tech company yeah and start i don't know then nothing really technology would be the probably the second like what we mean by technology is stuff like um uber excites me mm-hmm. um snapchat excites me but snapchat's a horrible company to work for um because they're founders um we have amazon's dope um and somewhere in California, San Francisco was I was looking at it, but yeah, yeah. But then esports, esports became too attractive. So totally, I jumped on. I drank that Kool Aid in like 2014. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I yeah. think I think the thing that really stands out about esports, and I don't know if if folks sort of frame it in the way that Kevin kind of already did, but it's not it's not going anywhere, right? Like it's 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 a demand. It keeps growing. Uh, it's easier and easier to play video games on your smartphone or your tablet or your computer or, or what have you. And so, you know, I think for a while, eSports just sort of got lumped, like compared to traditional, quote, analog sports, uh, often in, in a lot of folks that, were, that are into like the NFL and the NBA, 
just couldn't fathom the connection. But now you have those folks playing games between commercial breaks and those folks are competing and it, the, the money's there and the demand is just growing and growing. So you do, when you think of an, uh, an esports player between 18 and 22 who's thinking of, quote, retiring after winning the international, you know, $19 million um, video game tournament, there's a lot of demand there for this thing as it grows. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like nowadays you can play any any esport game of like a with like a six hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred dollar rig, right? right? You don't need much now, and it's just the natural evolution of technology, right? And then pair it up with people just just to yeah, to, to, to accessibility is, mm-hmm. like, is the is the coin is a word for that, but yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um. With that, do we want to switch into hot takes? Yeah, totally. Um, Brian, why don't you go ahead? Because mine, mine only really works if Mikey was also here. So yeah, uh, I mean, I don't want to stir up any controversy, not that there really would be. But uh, for folks who are sort of interested in some new games coming out, Death Stranding is the new video game uh, created by the director Hideo Kojima, who previously worked on the Metal Gear Solid series before leaving uh, a large company to start his own studio. Uh, it, whether or not you, you play video games, I recommend you watch that trailer for Death Stranding. Um, it's, a, it's a video game, and currently it's going to be starring uh, Norman Reedus from The Walking Dead, and I think Mads Mikkelsen, uh, formerly yeah, from right. Hannibal. Uh, yeah, Hannibal. Um, he was in Doctor Strange and will also be in Rogue One. Um, and... Uh, also, Guillermo del Toro, who is the director, uh, a director of Pacific mm-hmm. Rim, they were all in this trailer together that came out last night. And I got to say, I don't think that anyone can watch that trailer and not immediately think video games are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched the trailer yet, but I've been kind of following the. This all happened during like what people ironically call the Oscars of video games, which is just called the Game Awards. Um, but like there's been a recent trend from some of the critics that I follow like on Twitter that will say like things like we had a fun year, but we can stop pretending that the greatest injustice in games is a guy who wanted to be fired for decades getting fired. Like Pajima is kind of heralded as this like patron saint of, of video games and as someone who can't, can't really do any wrong. Or if he does do a lot of wrong in his games, it's just sort of shrugged off because he's Hideo Kojima. Um, mm-hmm. And like the the actual, you know, for more backstory, like one of the games that he was working on got canceled and everyone's saying that that's like the biggest, you know, crime into video games or whatever. People are totally ignoring that the very company that canceled the game also has like borderline criminal like labor practices for their employees. And like they're obsessed over Kojima who wanted to leave major studios, uh, getting to leave where everyone else like losing all their jobs and being forced to work super, super hard when they have a job. Um, so there's like a weird disconnect for me where like I respect Kojima for having this vision and sticking to it every single time he releases a a thing. But I do think it's Mm -hmm. a little, there's like a disconnect for me anyway. Um, I've never cared too much about his, his work. So Metal Gear Solid was the first game that sort of I played and then thought, Oh my God, was this real life back in like seventh grade? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it just felt yeah. so realistic for a hot second. Yeah. Uh, and then I had to take, I had to take a step back and realize I was, I was playing, I was playing on the GameCube. 
Yeah. Um, but I just think that Hideo Kojima is a master of hype. And I'm not going to be the guy that says, actually, I see past all of this and I know what it really is. But he just releases trailers that get everyone that stir everyone up and freak them out. And the games tend to be very good, but the stories just make no sense. I think he just needs to hire an editor. Yeah, totally. Uh, Kevin, do you have any hot takes for the gaming industry? Anything that's been on your mind or something you have an opinion on that is either funny or something you'd just like to say? Uh, no, Put I think I gave, enough of, I gave enough of my opinion. Uh, <laughs> I don't really have anything else to say other than, like, I want World of Warcraft 2 to happen, but <laughs> I agree with you. It. Do you think they'd ever make, like, a sequel, or wouldn't, wouldn't it just make All sense right, to keep I've adding I've said this expansions? to the guild many times. I'm going to call it out here on the podcast. Yes, okay. yes. War, Warcraft 4 is going to happen, Okay. and it will segue into World of Warcraft 2. Okay. Done. Mic drop. You heard it here first. And with that, we should probably wrap it up. Um, thanks, Kevin, so much for, for, for joining us. And uh, yes. I'm sorry if my esports ignorance came off any certain way. <laughs> um, but no, you're we, fine. We, no, yeah. nothing, nothing was. No, you're fine. Cool. Well, we really appreciate you having here. Um, and thank yes. you, listeners, for listening to Fans of the Genre. We've had one of the more successful weeks because of Potato Gate. Um, listeners to last week will re- remember that. Uh, Mikey and I think that mashed potatoes, nope, sorry, baked potatoes are maybe the worst form to to eat a potato in. But Brian good. Held, his, held, his, uh, held his place in that argument pretty strongly. And uh, the poll that he posted on Twitter actually has people agreeing with him. So <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening to Fans of the Genre. Um, if you like the show, please rate us on iTunes. It really helps others discover the show. Most importantly, tell a friend. That's the best way to do it. Um, Word of mouth is how I've discovered most of the things that I enjoy. So if you enjoy this, tell your friends. They're likely to enjoy it as well. Uh, You can tweet at us at Fans of Genre. um, Send us questions and feedback. Um, I'm Rhodes Clark on Twitter. Brian? Uh, Brian T. Swanson. And Kevin, where can we find you? You can find me at Kibunbun. I've been wondering how to pronounce that. Like if you... I almost said Kabunbun, but I think yeah, Kabunbun too. Kabunbun too. Okay. I actually don't know. Okay. But <laughs> I call it. I say Kabunbun. So I don't know. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming on, Kevin. You're you're great. Cool. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening, folks. Bye.